Recording in progress, and welcome everyone back to Sessions of Mary Jane. I'm Brendan O'Brien. I'm Reen Ezra. And I'm Jordan Fry. And we are very lucky to have on the, uh, the podcast a very special guest. She is a screenwriter, a poet, all wound, all wound whiter. <laughs> Sorry, I just a little Bugs Bunny there. Uh, it's Aliza Dalto. Thank you, Aliza, for being here today. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yes. Did I, say, did I say your last name right? Is it D'Alto? You, it, yeah, no, you got it right the second time. First time, no. Okay. Second time, yes. What's the most common mispronunciation of your name that you've had? Um, Delato is a fan favorite. Yeah, like gelato. I think it's like they really want to be Italian so badly in how they're saying it that it comes out very wrong. Yes. Um, but yeah, I used to get Diablo as a kid. Which mm, is uh, cool. Love that. So um, it is an Italian family? You are Italian? Um, yeah, like a little Italian. Just like a like the, the most minutely that you could possibly be. What's the, the what's the rest of the background? The rest of the mix? Um oh goodness me, what am I? Um <laughs> <laughs> that is the big old existential question. The question you ask yourself every day. What, am I? what are any of us? Um no, so like culturally quote-unquote argentinian mm-hmm. um genetically cuban um and then like a whole lot of other shit that's just like smaller and smaller percentages as you go mm. i like how you answered that that's that's neat that's cool yeah. have you been to uh argentina or cuba i wish i could but it's like uh i think my family's like scared of letting us go and now with the pandemic i want to go but they're like no if you go there's like some weird bad blood family that's going to attack you if you go and i'm like all right i mean i guess i don't want to get killed so yes i'll just i'll just hold off i'll hold off for you yeah yeah (laughs) that's what i'm doing now yeah i'm not going to iran i'm holding off (laughs) when uh i am able to go there whenever that day is (laughs) yeah well before we uh travel any further uh, we just want to let you know that throughout the course of this podcast, you will receive a challenge to do where you have to name items on a list. Are you oh, ready yeah. for the challenge? Oh, of course. Yes. Of course. <laughs> I like your attitude. See, so at any point, you must name as many poets as you possibly can. So oh. you, say, you say them and you put them on the list. See how many you get at the end of the, uh, the podcast. Easy, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So who, who you got? Oh, God. Now. Okay. Um, no, you do whatever. But if you, if you have one that you can think of to start off. Um, Olivia Gatwood. Mm. How does she rank for you in terms of poets that you like? Oh, she might be one of my favorites, I think. She's in my top five. I like most contemporary poets, I think. Mm. Anyone who just like uh, rambles at you, their piece, and it's more, it sounds more of like a folk song when you're reading it. Mm. It's just hits home. Mm. Like 25 know. tweets in a row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a, there's a book that I highly recommend called Dreaming of You by, um, what is her name? Uh, Melissa Lozada Olivia, who's another poet. And it's this beautiful, broken um, story about this poet who's having an existential crisis. So she resurrects Selena, um, like the, the Latin pop star who is like murdered. And it's about her relationship with being Latinx and like what it means to be a woman in your 20s like what it means to be a writer and her relationship with all of that and it's it's a it's a poem it's like it's a poetry book but it's told in a narrative so each poem like flows with the other 
Wow, interesting. Very, very good. Highly recommend. Oh, noted. Mm. That's gonna go on my list. Yeah. What are the what are the things in uh what are the parts of the things that you like to read that are most important to you? Like what are the qualities of a writer that you need the most? Um, I love like blunt honesty, I think. I don't want to read something that's like meant to be pretty. Uh, I feel like I usually gravitate to like film and television for that a lot of times mm -hmm. for like something that's supposed to be less about words, but I feel like in words, I find the most truth. Like that's where I, I'm the most honest in my writing than I am even when I'm like just having a conversation with somebody. So I feel like when I'm looking for other writers, I want to see that kind of perspective. I want to see someone who's like not afraid to say what's exactly on their mind. Mm, yeah. When did writing start for you? um oh god I've always written always like um I think before I was interested in literally anything else writing was home for me it was a place where if I didn't feel safe to say the words on my mind I knew I could put it on a page and hide it somewhere mm. and then like it's always the, the thing I go back to so even if like if screenwriting doesn't work out I know I can go back to just like prose if like film doesn't work out I can always go back to that like there's always it's always home base for me it's a way to ground myself hmm. yeah yeah do you find that you've like you've been able to like just like grow as a person and be more honest with yourself because like you've like do you like you do you like force yourself to have to like write really honestly every single time that you write something no sometimes I feel like especially lately writing has been more of like a I've never been a diary person like I always when I would try to write diary entries, I always wrote it as if someone was going to find my diary and read it. Like yeah. I <laughs> like I was always so like well quaffed. I had so much like grammar anxiety and I would never really just say what I, I wanted to do. It wouldn't come out the right way. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like maybe specifically poetry has been like the thing where it's like, it's not meant to necessarily be pretty poetry. Mm -hmm you can just say exactly what it is that you're feeling. So it's always been the thing that I'll like go to as like a form of therapy. It's like, okay, so this big thing just happened to you um, and you have no idea how to fuck to talk about it. So just write some broken metaphors and it'll make sense in two weeks from now. Mm. Wow. Mm. That's yeah. a cool way of looking at it. Yeah. There's something you never been able to write about something that didn't flow easily through poetry um oh that's so interesting I feel like no there's things that like I can't write outside of poetry like poetry is like it's like anything goes with poetry but like when it comes to like um there's like screenplays that I would love to write that I can't bring myself to make into an actual narrative yet. Mm. But like I have poem after poem about them. And there's like stories that I would love to tell people, but I can't like piece it together in anything other than poetry. Gotcha. Yeah. What is it about screenwriting that just is it that separates it from poetry or makes it more difficult? I think it's because I, I can see what it is this, that, that the story is supposed to be, but then actually like putting it down, I don't know. I think I'm still trying to get over that hump of, um, you know, when you watch a movie and there's that point where it's like the, the main, the protagonist like 
it's like um, they hit their first big challenge and then they have this montage moment where it's like they're going to learn exactly what it is that they have to do. Yeah, yeah. Work into that montage and all the like yeah. grunt work goes into there and then they come out the other side and it's like, oh, I'm in the third act already and everything's fine now. Um, I feel like in my head, screenwriting is that montage moment and I'm trying to like learn how to live in it because it, it's supposed to be shit when you first start writing anything you have to like get through the hump and hurdle of like these plot points are going to be crappy I don't know what I'm doing yet yeah I don't understand these characters the way that I think I think I do and like it has to sound like shit first before it gets better but I think the shit part I have to like get over the hurdle of it being shit yeah and that always seems to be hard so even like like, no matter how much you write it's like there's always like you always like want your things to be good so it's like hard to accept that they will not be perfect and good at one point especially early on is there anything else in your life you do apply that much pressure on yourself for besides writing? Oh, probably everything, honestly. Is that your nature? Is that you? I think it might be. Yeah, I actually just quit. My I've been working um in the AD department on a few different like Apple TV shows for the past like year. Okay. Um, okay cool. Like a set PA, and I recently just quit my job. I was um running first team like the thing that you um like you kind of like not take care of the cast but like you help cast like get through HMU you get them to set and like all that other crap and um I quit I've never quit a job before in my life Mm. I've always been the kind of person that's either like you worked one job or two jobs but not no job or Mm -hmm. um, yeah but this is like the first time where I'm taking like a little stance and be like no my mental health is a bit more important than this or like it's a bit more important than a minimum wage job, you know? Good. Congrats. Thanks. I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think we were, you know, a little taught for a bit, you know, growing up that like quitting was always viewed in a negative light instead of being like, yeah, quitting is good sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are definitely things you should be proud you quit <laughs> because that otherwise, how are you going to shift gears? If you're still stuck in the same cycle, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know what else there was out there for me if I didn't leave this other thing. Yeah. So good for you. That's great. Was there, is there, um, was there a change in perspective when the pandemic hit as far as seeing things being, uh, yeah, just like um, the weight of certain things and being like, oh, yeah, I can't. Because they, I mean, they, there's a study came out that there's a huge increase of people quitting their jobs mm-hmm. for many of those reasons because they were like, now finally, I guess the pandemic was giving some clarity to some people. For sure. Yeah. Um, I know that like when the pandemic started, I went from going to school full-time, working full-time, helping out at home full-time, commuting like four hours a day to just like, you can maybe go and do some yoga or go for a walk if you want to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a much bigger hit than I'm used to. I'm going to drink some water high. Um, Hydrate, everyone. Reminder to hydrate. Yes, podcast brought to you by H2O. Drink that water now. But, um... Yeah, it was really liberating to just like be a person for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I remember having a conversation with somebody where they said something like, um, 
they're like, oh, the pandemic is going to like really do some like lifelong change on some people. They're going to change their work habits. And I was like, are they? Or is it just that like right now they can't work as much as they're used to? And then there's going to be a point where the pandemic gets a bit like the numbers are going to go down and things are going to open up again and people are going to go right back to where they were before. But now they're going to be more burnt out. They're going to be quicker to like lose steam. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like I, I for sure did that. Like as soon as the pandemic was like things were lifting, I, I graduated college and I just immediately started working. And when you work in the film industry, you're working like maybe. I know that for me personally, I was pushing like 80 to 90 hours a week, wow. which is crazy um, to think about. Yeah. And then I took a office job after that job ended and it went down to like 60 hours a week. And I was like, oh, a break. but that is kind of the norm like we've talked about that where like you're trained when you go to school you have to have these many clubs these many classes take these many credits you you're eating lunch on your way to your next class and it's just like wait a minute why is that the condition that should not we should not be getting used to operating that way and you always feel like you have to function for a purpose instead of just be and you're like I don't know how to just be like yeah what is my schedule what is my sorry I cut you off no I was gonna say do you think uh like because I work on a lot of film sets too whether it's like uh like background acting or paing stuff do you think it is like the general consensus that like so many people like the fact that they we work so many hours because then you get to be off so many hours like it's on and off hard or do you think it's just a money thing and we're just kind of forced to do it and we do it because it's just the thing I think it's probably a little bit of both I mean um it's in a lot of ways it is not sustainable to work as a PA in this industry unless you already come from money or have like a little nest egg set aside because um like i i personally am very fortunate that i saved up a lot for my other jobs i just kind of lived like a hermit um and so me quitting my job recently is not going to necessarily i mean fingers crossed that it's not going to like ruin my life mm-hmm. um but like you know there are people who you know you finish a job that six months long where you're working nothing but like 80 to 90 hours a week, but then you don't have enough money left over to like live. So then you have to immediately jump into the next job. Mm. You know, like I'm looking at jobs now that are like maybe 40 hours a week. And I'm like, I don't know if I can, this is sustainable for, you know, what it is, but that's just the nature of working in this country. Yeah. So kind of if, if they offer 16 hour days, people will just take full year round work anyway, like, because they won't get paid enough anyway. Yeah. I mean, I like at a PA salary, that's true. I know that like the higher you get, the more money you make. And then you are at a liberty to like, you can, you can take time off in between jobs if you really want to. But I know like me personally, like I get a little uncomfortable if my like savings account hits a certain level. Cause I'm like, Oh no, if I don't find work immediately. I'm going to be right back. at ground like at ground one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was your first job that you ever had? Um, I worked on Severance, which is an Apple TV show. Okay. Like just that was, that, that was your first job ever that you've ever had in your life? Oh, ever, ever in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no. First job ever. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, that was your first job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh no, ever, ever. What did I do? It must have been something like in 
I'm just thinking like an actual proper job where it wasn't like I was helping out like a family member and I got paid for it. Yeah, like I was in college and I worked in a bar mm-hmm. um, in like midtown Manhattan and I was like a host at, at a host station. In fact, I think before I started working like properly in the like the tel- television industry, um, uh, I like mostly did like server work because mm-hmm. it was just the most flexible at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure what was your experience like as a server? What were some of the biggest lessons you learned? Um, you need to be patient. It's important to be patient. Um, people, when they are hungry, you are their last resort that they are coming to you. So um, the anger that they feel towards you does not really matter. They're just, they're picturing a burger when they're looking at your head. Um, (laughs) But like, you can kind of take that into any part of life. Like if I'm in a grocery store and some woman yells at me over the last cucumber, I'm like, I probably look like a cucumber herder right now. She's so hungry. Last cucumber. Yeah. That just makes me think of pickle. (laughs) That makes me think of pickle red. Pickle red. (laughs) With eyes. Um, so you grow up in New York? Where are you originally from New York? I'm from Long Island because everyone, there's always someone who has to be from Long Island. So I guess I'll do that. Um, <laughs> you know, someone has How to be. We're in Long Island. Oh. oh, are you also from Long Island? Is well, family? no, like, yeah, I have family from there. Okay. Um, I'm a Nassau County girl. Okay. Right. Yeah. So very close to the beach. And that's pretty much the only thing interesting that that's going on there. Nice. Um, what would yeah. you get mixed up in what would you get what did you do for fun in Nassau, in Nassau County oh I was a humble little theater kid that's all I did I just did theater if I wasn't doing theater I was writing I was um I think I ran a poetry magazine when I was in high school I'm very on brand I've always been very on neat yeah I was a very I was like a I wasn't straight edge but I was like friends with the straight edge people so like by association I didn't really like do anything crazy I think like the most I ever did was probably like sneak out of my house to do nothing like just hang out with friends <laughs> yeah same that was definitely my bad yeah. I did not I don't even think I snuck out of my house yeah. I couldn't know there's a condo in my room I couldn't yeah, have done second that floor, second floor is hard to sneak out of you need a ladder I was on the first floor and there's oh. only one entry and entrance and I, I don't I just don't think I ever anyway yeah. <laughs> um theater yeah theater what uh like musicals or just regularly what what do you love I did a little bit of everything I just like I wanted attention really badly when I was growing up um as we all do and so I did musical theater I was very dramatic in nature like I was the girl who would walk down the hallways in high school like singing show tunes and doing high kicks like that was just my mo (laughs) it still kind of is my mo but it's like subdued now um because i'm really chill um please note the sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) but i god what did we do it was mostly just high school i wasn't serious about it i just really liked singing and i liked being someone that wasn't me for a little bit Mm. and so like i was a major theater kid which i'm sure i'm assuming all three of you were theater kids too yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do, do we do we give off the, the theater kid vibes? Well, I mean, I already know you, so I'm just I'm I can only make assumptions about the other two. Were you, were you exposed yeah. to it just being out in Long Island? Easy access to to the real shit in New York. 
the oh, real yeah. shit in New York. I don't know. How do you mean? Well, just like, I guess people would say Broadway is like the the biggest theater. Right? Oh, I guess so, yeah. I never even really thought about it like that. I guess I was like a half hour away from the city. And my, I did choir like from like third grade on. And so part of the perks of doing choir um, at like a pretty decent school is that you get to do a lot of fucking cool trips all the time. So they're like, we'll take you to Broadway. We'll do this. Like we'll go to the museum of like musical arts or whatever. Um, so yeah, we would like see a show every once in a while, which is cool. That's how I, I that's why I went into choirs because we went to Dorney Park. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason. Same reason why people did, went, uh, did the physics. Student government. Physics. Oh, student government too? Student government oh, nice. took us to trips to Dorney Park. Yeah, that's why also I just went there. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. What's your favorite field trip of all time? My favorite field trip of all time. Oh, goodness me. Um, Specifically school field trip, are you asking? Well, if it's not in school, what is it? That is it still a field trip? What field is it going I to guess be? it just converts to road trip when you get older. Because then yeah. you're... <laughs> right. then road, road trips are just field trips with no chaperones. <laughs> we went to Disney World when I was a freshman in high school. Because oh, the choir did like a three day they were in like the parade and so the whole music department got to go but they the thing is is that it, it almost felt like um like almost a glimpse into what I would end up doing with my career later on because it was nothing but walking for like three days straight they like packed everything that you could possibly do at Disney World in mm. those three days I think I broke my shoes I remember stepping I think a na- I stepped on a nail on that trip and it went through my shoe in my <laughs> oh my god yeah. you wore the same shoes i mean i didn't have any other ones this is the thing wow. and you know mama didn't raise no bitch you know you, you keep walking until you get home but you, so. took the, you took the nail out though right nah. <laughs> nah, nah, so that's all, man. <laughs> oh my God. wait so what about um your first experience with marijuana was that high school was that with the theater kids or that oh, was that's a hilarious story because um so I know I just said that mama didn't raise no bitch but I'm a little bitch when it comes to because <laughs> I'm like five feet tall and my first time oh, you. oh yay we have meetings you can come to the yeah. next <laughs> it's like a support group for people who can't do things <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll bring our stools okay. <laughs> um, but I oh god I was 18 I had recently come out as queer and I was going to the pride parade for my first time ever with a group of my queer friends and I have this friend she's gorgeous and tall and can handle liquor and anything that you put in her body and so she was she had a pen with her and all this time, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to like drink. I'm never going to smoke. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm going to be a straight edge baby. And my friend comes over to me and she's like, you look nervous. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gay enough to be here, which is a whole other conversation. But she was like, you look nervous here. Just take a hit. And me, a person who was a theater kid and sang a lot growing up, you know, my lung capacity is pretty good. So she said, just keep sucking in until you can't anymore. Okay. <laughs> I think I did a 45 second ish long hit on this pen. <laughs> oh my God. And afterwards, just like hold it in until you can't anymore. <laughs> and so, and I listened because I'm great at taking direction. And it all came out after like a minute of holding it in. 
and I'm coughing up a storm. I'm like guzzling water and the world just kind of like smashed together. It was 2D. I felt I kept swearing. I could hear things that were happening like a mile away from me. Um, The colors were intense. I can still remember the pizza that I had that day. Like if I think hard enough about it, I can like feel the grease in my mouth. And then I remember I, I like went home. I was still living with my parents after the parade. And my mom was like, how was it? How did it go? And I was like, I'm very high. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I collapse upstairs. I come back down after like six hours and she was like, water? And I went, water. Mm, yeah, time to just feels it. Yeah, always water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does, so I, I guess that didn't really help with your nerves or maybe it did. I think it just like, I, I don't even remember the parade much. I just remember like, colors and like noises yeah I'm sure Mm. your brain was focusing on everything else yeah I don't think I I know that there's like people who like get different kinds of high I think I'm like a mellow high Mm. kind of girl like I don't want to get high at a party but like if I got high with like a small group of friends and we're just going to chat for the night yes excellent yes 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 I really I get that yeah I was wondering because like the is it because of your anxiety levels does it go up when you are because I don't like doing it um out in certain public places anymore yeah where there's like a big crowd because I'm just like "Mm." Mm. (laughs) yes it is yeah I don't know what um like I think uh the only other time that I got high like that same year that I really liked was that it was just me and my roommate at the time and we got very high we watched Tuca and Birdie for like two hours and then I made strawberry cake and left the butter out on the stove and it just bled out everywhere and I was laughing <laughs> the entire time I was like this is art look at this art that I've created <laughs> my roommate's like you're a fucking idiot and I'm like no look at the art that I made in the kitchen <laughs> that sounds like a great night yeah yeah so I feel like that's preferred over taking it out with me. Do you enjoy uh, baking or cooking while you're high? Um, I like cooking. I don't really, I don't like baking. Actually, that that's like the only incident that I have in sense of me like baking, really. Well, we got yeah. that story. Well, yeah, that's, it had to happen for the story, but other than that. <laughs> yeah. Why did you say that you think that you're, you weren't gay enough for the, when you're at the pride parade? Oh, well, there's like a deep, well, so like I'm uh, more comfortable in my sexuality now, but when I first came out, I was just sort of like, girls are pretty, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't really fully know what it meant. And I thought going to the parade would be like a good indicator for me. It was like a good way to meet new people who had been out longer than I had. And I like grew up in a really small town. No one really like, I think we had like maybe two people that I knew closely that like were out and proud about it. And I didn't really have much to look to. So when I was going to the parade, I was like, oh, am I like, am I gay enough? Like, what kind of gay do I need to be? And I was like falling into these like pitfall stereotypes. And I didn't really know. I didn't know. I didn't have enough of my own experience yet to be like, oh, this is the kind of person that I am. It's separate from my sexuality, but it's also like the same as my sexuality. And I didn't really get the nuance yet. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Can you share at all a little bit of, like your experience when you were discovering more about yourself? Um, I, yeah, sure. I'm trying to think now. I feel like everything from my like high school life, I don't remember much, but I do remember I had, um, I had like a friend, if you could call her a friend, 
And I remember for a really long time just feeling like, oh, I just kind of like really want to be like her. She's great. Like she's kind and warm and pretty. And like, it's all the things that I want to be as a person. And like, oh, the, the guys like her because she's like this. And I want guys to like me like this. And like, that's how I saw the comparison in it. And it wasn't until I met someone else who um, was like, I think they were out as pan and they were like, oh, like, yeah, there's this girl. And like, she would use the same words that I would use to describe how they felt about this other girl. And I was like, oh, but like, yeah, you just want to be really good friends. And she's like, no, I want to make out with that girl. And I'm like, oh, what? Is that an option? Is that on the table? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I didn't feel any like bad way about it. There's like no, um, I don't think there was any like negative feelings I had towards it. I just didn't really know it was an option. I didn't see the validity of it yet. Is do you recall your first memory of seeing it in like TV or movies that resonated with you? Do I? Not really. I'm that's actually really interesting. I don't feel like I ever I mean there's like queer coded characters. I don't know if you guys like have experienced that, but there's like characters that like when you're growing up who are like in cartoons or TV and like they're not outwardly gay, but they really yeah. like you identify strongly with them as being a part of like your queer upbringing the benefits of cartoonists being gay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting that you do say cartoons because i feel like you definitely pick up notes or tones or hints just something more in yeah that. maybe i don't know maybe because it is like a colorful animated word whatever it is you just there's just a feeling that is different than yeah like I was like she go from Kim Possible. I was like, oh, this woman is queer. I love this woman. Mm. And like I didn't know the word for like queer yet, but I would like look at her and I was like, she's one of us. She gets me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what your first memory is? Ever? Yeah, ever. Yeah. Like, what, how far back can you go? Because I've been asking people this a lot lately, and so, it, it's it's one or the other. Either people are like, "Yes, yeah, this exact memory," and I'm like, "How did you think of that so fast?" Or it's like, "Just came out of the gate with that." <laughs> we're all, listeners, we're all thinking it. I'm just gonna say it. What was your first memory? Hold on, I'm like, You're have to that. you'll have to answer that. Yeah, right? What's your first memory? Let's put you. <laughs> Wait, I I definitely remember being. Three. But all right, like, I'm sorry. A whole year? That's a uh, lot. No, sorry. In all, in all honesty, I actually, and this is, this is going to sound really, really weird. The whole year. I, I definitely remember breastfeeding. Like, I, I definitely remember the experience of breastfeeding. So, I, so, I, was, so I, was, I was at least young enough for that. I, I have like a, I definitely remember oh. that as that happened. This is the first time we've ever heard this from Brendan. Oh my gosh. This is going to feel different ways this about breastfeeding. Wait, now. does your mom know this? Probably, yeah. We probably talked about it. She was there too. She remembers it. <laughs> I think I think my first memory is um oh god I used to crawl as a baby not recently but I used to crawl under my um childhood home's dining room table and my mom loves this table it still lives in our childhood home um and I would go under there with white out my mom would like work from home and there'd be white out I'd take it and I would white out the legs of the dining room table uh, and the, the thing is, is that it's still there. I never tried to hide it. Like as I got older, I just completely forgot it existed. But I have this vivid memory of being under there and my dog, I'm like painting and my dog at the time came under the table too. And she growled at me like, bitch, this is my space. Get out of it. And I was like, oh. yes, ma'am. And I think that might've been my last time ever going down there. 
respect I think that's that's the the thing that i remember yeah that's gotta be shocking for a dog who is always like it's only dog down here this is dog land and all of a sudden they see a little human just like crawling around yeah i don't think she liked me much i came after her like she had already been there and like she had turf Mm. and then i came in and she was like this little fucker is gonna take away all my attention well, I don't want to be <laughs> yeah. the dog. Wait, do you do you have other siblings? Yeah, I have an older sister. She's like almost almost nine years older than me. She's eight and a half years older than me. So it's like having a second mom. She's great. Cool. <laughs> how, yeah, how was that growing up with I have a brother ten years younger, but how was that growing up with I younger, so yours is older. How was that growing up with such an older sister? I mean, great because in a lot of ways, if I'm ever curious what the next 10 years of my of my life are going to look like, I can always just look to her and be like, well, this is where she is now. And it's a pretty good marker. Like she got married when she was 25. I'm 23. Like I'm about to be 24 next week. And so like, I can see that we're in very different places in our life right now, but she's always like a good indicator of like where life can be, what my options are. Cause like in so many ways she is me, but just older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. like I'm her but younger I guess because she came first. Yeah. yeah 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 well happy early birthday to you also uh, yeah so you that makes you an Aries yeah. are you an Aries no I'm like I'm right on the cusp of Aries Taurus mm. oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah Taurus yeah. he's Aries yeah so. oh Virgo nobody's <laughs> talking about you all right Virgo's <laughs> over here <laughs> <Just> kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding well, no, wait, what, are you, what are your birthdays? Are you a May Taurus? I'm May 9th. Oh, okay, okay. And you're in- and I'm April 5th. So. April, oh, wow. Well, happy belated, first of all. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you feel like you can, uh, from what you know about this, those particular signs, like, do you relate to them or feel like your personality is in line with their qualities? I'm so disappointed in myself, but I'm an astrology bitch. And... Um, Nope. <laughs> it's like it's not it's not I don't know how real it is in the same way that like I don't know if this is a hot take or not but like I don't always know how like valid religion is but I just know that like religion is a thing and astrology is a thing that like people look to to kind of like round them sometimes you know gives explanation and meaning to things and like that's what it, it does that's how I, I view it at least so like astrology in a lot of ways is that grounding piece for me where I'm like, I don't really know if I fully believe in you, but every once in a while I'll open up CoStar and I'll read what it says. And I'm like, oh, you know, sure. I guess that makes sense where I'm at right now mentally. Um, I think I definitely, oh, you go ahead. No, I was just saying, I like your comparison because that is true. It is just like, you know, whatever your belief system is. Yeah. Um, I definitely identify with being a Taurus more than an Aries, although I like, I feel like I could be a little, I don't really know much about Aries when being honest, but I know that like Tauruses are very like sturdy people. They have like a lot of, are they like, is loyalty the right word? I don't know if loyalty is the right word, but I just know they're very like, um, no, that's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you say so. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, you're dating, you're dating one, Jordan. Yeah. What do you think? Is he's really weird with his? I mean, I I tell no, this I to only everybody. <laughs> I tell this yeah. to everybody. Yeah, because he's wait, say it, say it. No, I was I just said it. No, yeah, the I dates. Only, no, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, is there a date range that you only date people with a certain like birthday range? Oh, he's uh, people he he's only been in a relationship from May fifth to May twelfth. Yeah. <laughs> Look at her face. I wish it's just an audio podcast, but yeah, that's incredible. I mean, like, good for you because that's just that's a big feat. I think yeah. for anybody, I think that's just such a fun fact. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that is a fun fact. It I'll say that now fact. and. Uh... I have to do well, the fun like fact. If you if, think about it, if you really do believe in astrology, there's something in the universe that's drawing you to people of those. Yeah. Like someone who knows a lot more than I do about astrology would say that, like, yes, yeah, because I don't know that much, but like they would probably say something along the lines of like, oh, like the universe is bringing you back to a lesson or a type of person to teach you something. You it's know, some sort of yeah energy that gravitates towards you. Because yeah. I don't know a lot about astrology either, and I'm just like, yeah, this is. I just ask people, I'm like, what's a Taurus? What do they, what do, they do? What's their deal? <laughs> also, my best friend, Ryan Bowles. But yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, I guess I'm a sturdy person. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I was going to say my best friends from college and my mom and grandma oh, yeah. are all like October 26th to the October 30th. Mm-hmm. He has definitely people in his life, yeah, that are in like yeah, batches and like dates like that. Yeah, it's interesting. That is really interesting. Trippy. Do you guys know your big three? Do you know what your big three is? What is that? Your sun, your moon, and your rising signs. No, unfortunately. Oh, man. Okay. Well, everyone, your respective mothers and find out the time and place you were born. Um, That's like what you need to like figure out your star, your moon, and your rising. And then basically, what do you mean by place? So the, your sun is the date that you were born. The time, I think it's the time, I hope no one smites me, but I think it's the time of like, um, the time you were born indicates your moon and then your, the place you were born indicates your rising and your moon, your sun is like your ecosystem, like how you exist in the world and interpret the world. Your moon is like who, how you interpret yourself, like how you reflect upon yourself and see yourself, how you handle your emotions and then your rising is how people, how the world perceives you. So like your first impressions that you make on people. Um, oh, and like, yeah. Wait, you know yours? I know mine. And? Um, and, oh, so I'm a Taurus sun, an Aquarius moon, and a Scorpio rising. Scorpio rising. <laughs> be a, a great action movie. It's a soccer mom song, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's all about being a Scorpio. Scorpio Risings are like, um, they're meant to be these kind of people who uh, they come off either like intimidating or they have like a really strong um, impression on people, but they're big old softies on the inside. But because the front that they give off is of being like very strong and independent, they don't always get the support they need. And the, the scope of the Scorpio rising. Hmm, I'm mean, definitely gonna look this up after. Yeah. What, is there like a specific um, a personality or type of like person that uh, gravitates towards you as far as friends? Is there any of that that you've recognized a pattern? Um, yeah, I think I adopt a lot of introverted people. I think I am like the extrovert hub. Um, <laughs> which I don't mind being it's very fun to collect like uh, my best friend is like more um reserved than I am and I think the way that I met her was um 
by like pestering her for headphones in the phone department lobby of Brooklyn College like every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of my other friends, I like uh, kept complimenting their outfit until they actually had a conversation with me. Like that's just how I like pick people <laughs> and bring them to me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Brooklyn College, can you say how you and Brendan met? And what was your first impression of Brendan? Oh, that's fun. Um, I'm thinking now. How did it, how did exactly did we meet? Did we meet because of um, we worked on a film together? Is that yeah. how we met though? Yeah. We, I, so uh, I would say that we we definitely got to know each other working on Becca Crabtree, uh, her film that she did, mm-hmm. Sean Pennsylvania. But it's very like because you, you said like the, the film department lobby, and I'm like it's very likely that we could have also met there too, because I feel oh. like, yeah, I feel like I remember having a lot of conversations in that film lobby, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, we definitely got to know each other on, uh, on Becca's film. That was a fun shoot. That was, that was a, a wild shoot. It was a wild shoot. I don't know if I told, but I almost died on that shoot. What? During, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait tell, tell us the, tell the, go, go tell on. The tale. Tell yeah. Um, uh, we were, it, there was a rainstorm that happened and we had to stop shooting one of the days that we were there. And we're, the, we're shooting on this like incline. You have to like hold on to a literal rope to like get down to where the actual set is. And there's like a little bridge over a mini waterfall. And then there's like a runoff to this bigger lake. Um, and we're using all of it to shoot. So um, the first day that we're down there, it's not raining. And I like had, I was doing special effects makeup for it and I'm not I'm not equipped to do that but I was doing it on this job and I was just like a general PA and I lost the makeup because when the storm hit Becca was like everyone take shelter like let's go and like ushered us all up to the house and I was like hey I think I left the makeup and she was like I got it I got it go 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 and I was like okay I'm going I'm going I'm going up the thing um and I think in the hustle she also forgot it so it's like two in the morning that was our call time because we had to like make up for lost time because the rain and it just finished raining so everything's like slick and muddy um and becca's freaking out because she can't find the makeup and i can't find it either so i think and i'm like oh fuck it must still be on set um and we can't start like uh maria's makeup until we have it so i was like all right fuck what are we gonna do so me and oh why can't i remember his name now what was his job the dp oh ethan Ethan, yeah. Okay, so Ethan. You're forgettable, Ethan. <laughs> oh my God. We're going to clip this part out just for Ethan. Don't mind that, buddy. Okay. <laughs> um, but Ethan was really brave and like went in a golf cart with me down to where we were shooting so I could get retrieve this thing. Um, and we had like, I think just a flashlight. My man was not equipped. He wore sneakers. I feared for his life. So I'm like walking in front of him and I'm like stepping on each rock before we start walking down because I'm wearing docks, which is not much better. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm the waters. And I'm like, hey, you should step here. And he was like, Elisa, just keep walking. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and we're going all the way down. And we finally get there and I see the makeup and I and I catch it. Um, basically, it's like right on like the flat terrain where we would like at stage before and I grab it and I think I'm trying to remember exactly what happened I think I like dropped the um flashlight or something but like I I have this vivid memory of Ethan turning to me and being like you did it that's great you got the thing let's go back up like this was so scary let's never talk about it again (laughs) I think I slipped 
and I'm like falling and I grab onto, oh, that's what happened. I fall and I grabbed onto the tree trunk um, and I like threw the flashlight and I had such like so much adrenaline in me that I like pushed myself back up again, but I was like really close to falling off this little like cliff onto where the rocks were. Oh my God. Um, and I wouldn't have died, but I would have been fairly injured. And um, I'm like hoisting myself back up again. And I have such adrenaline in my body that like, I know that the flashlight is about to fall off and like be gone and into the water. And I was like, I'm going back for the flashlight. And I like shimmied back down again, <laughs> I, like grabbed it. And we went back up there. But yeah. It was great. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you had to get your own Indiana Jones going on yeah, inside the movie. This movie. I had to. I had to. Someone had to do it. Yeah, it's amateur sets. They have the least insurance, but need it the most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to get the great stories. You also need to like. I think you need to be on shitty sets to learn what good ones look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's fair. I've been on my fair share of shitty sets at this point, so I feel like. Oh my god. Yeah, there's a great photo that I came across the other day that you took uh, while we were on the set of that shoot, and it's like it, I feel like it's like it's like the perfect encapsulation of an actual film shoot set because you have like two people, one of them's in pink full body makeup, the other one's in, like full green body makeup with like elf ears, and then you have like a sound guy who's like, actually doing his job, and I'm I'm in the background wearing pajama pants, just like standing like looking around, and I'm like I'm like that is film school right there. <laughs> Essence of film school sums it up what what are some of the things you do learn from the unexpected of film because obviously so many things happen when making a a movie um you know a lot of the similar lessons that you learn from working in a restaurant which is just like have patience Mm -hmm. trust the process um and also just like you know nothing's ever that big of a deal like you're not saving someone's life and there's sometimes a lot of like beauty that comes with saying like, fuck it, let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, if a prop breaks, you can always do something else with it. There's, you know, there's always some way to fix it. This is not life or death. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's true. That is good. That is profound. Um, what were some of the films that uh, made you want to get into the whole shebang that is this uh, industry? Oh, the biz that is show. Oh, geez. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't really consume a lot of... So it was more theater straight into... It wasn't like theater, really. I think I just, like, I really loved the idea of, like, telling stories visually. Like, I loved photography growing up, and I loved writing, and I feel like the combination of the two was just, like, a really beautiful medium. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really until, like, I got into high school or, like, later high school, like, senior year of high school or college that I was like, oh, this is, like, this shit's pretty fucking cool. Like, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think I like I early on in my life I used to just watch like nothing but rom-coms mm-hmm. it's like remember being genuinely very happy watching them so I was just like that sounds nice I could do that forever why not well what are your what are your some of your favorite rom-coms you must have, also a side note you must have been the most like refreshing person in film school just like not saying Tarantino <laughs> <laughs> um i mean like okay so uh rom-com wise 10 things i hate about you is a fan favorite we'll watch it any time of year um i don't think pride and prejudice is the 2005 version with Kieran knightley it's not a rom-com but it holds like a special place in my heart where for a very long time i could not watch it with other people 
because it was just so like giggle inducing because it's so fucking cute that I was like I can't be around other people I will be flustered I will throw my laptop no one can see me Uh, (laughs) no (laughs) um yeah those those are good those are good ones I'm trying to think of other ones but I can't yeah do you write a lot of rom-coms I don't I don't think I'm good at writing them it takes a very special person to write comedy in general like you have to really understand like why things are funny before or you can just like write something funny you know and like I don't I don't think I'm I'm that person like sometimes things will land and I'll be like cool that's funny and other times I'm like whatever um but uh I like romance stories those are fun to write I don't think I've ever like successfully written a beautiful like love story before but I'll write like little short things here and there that are just really fun to delve into yeah what what topics or what kinds of stories do you find yourself most drawn to writing um I really like character pieces. I like a lot of like, um, I always gravitate towards like the mother-daughter relationship story. And maybe that's like me going through therapy without paying for it, but- We all are, it's okay. We all are, that's why we do this. But um, I feel like there's something really interesting about uh, female relationships, regardless of like if they're platonic or familial or what, what have you, like they're just something- so communal about it that isn't touched upon enough I think and so they're just always so interesting or just like watching women fall the fuck apart because of what life has handed them are just such interesting stories to me yeah back to them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I really you just made me think of the lost daughter that's totally what I felt when that film came out and well Maggie Gyllenhaal it was like adapted screenplay off of the book but have you seen The Lost Daughter? I haven't no but I I would not be surprised if Maggie Gyllenhaal is attached to something like that. Yeah (laughs) I mean it was her first her directorial debut right but um yeah it was just Olivia uh what's her last name who's the lead Olivia Goldman uh, let me call it, and then um, uh, Dakota Johnson. Right. Right? She's in the film. Why am I blanking on people's yes. names? Yeah. Um, but there was just something about, like, yeah, it, it's just, it is so heavily on mothers, daughters, and women in general. And then, like, when you have the emotional, just like you're saying, people breaking down and just what life has to give them it was like, yeah, you know, I'm sure many other women watching it and you just like, you know, how does this relate to you and reflect to you and you did like whatever and stuff like that, where it's just like, there is something a little bit more special for me personally, just being a woman than if I'm seeing, if the story was a father and a son, it would be an entirely different effect on me, Uh, of course, but um, yeah. 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 So basically, more female stories, yes. <laughs> more unique, different views. Yeah. Do you uh do you get creative blocks? And if so, uh, what are some ways that you uh get out of there? Some tips that you have for navigating? How do you get out of there? Yeah. Ah, get out of those creative blocks. <laughs> They're everywhere. Um, I feel like I always have creative blocks. Like sometimes I feel like um I'll write a lot. Like I I'm constantly writing something, but whether or not it's good, I don't really know. And then every like once a year, like maybe like three times a year I'll write something and I'll be like well this is good everything else has been crap so far but like I'm glad that all the crap that I wrote brought me here so that's nice 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's that <laughs> shock that you say you have it often, creative block. Because I always assume, like, oh, writers, you guys just close out so easily because of Brendan here. No, how would you write, write? No, writers just smack their head against the wall more often. Oh, oh I just I love it. That's so refreshing. I'm like, it's just so nice to hear that you say that. And then, like, also for how long it takes for you to get to something that you feel is good or up to par for your that that's very interesting yeah I mean sometimes I feel like I'll I feel like for me when I have something to write it's like I don't even know if necessarily it'll make sense but like a like a string of words will just like pop into my head unless I write it down it's not gonna leave it's just like repetitive on loop Mm -hmm. and then stay, stay in my notes app as like one line for maybe a month and then finally something else will happen I'll be like oh that's what that meant okay and then I can like expand on it later mm-hmm. but like for the first like I just call it like poop like my poop will come out and then I'll like store it somewhere and I'm like I don't know what to do with all this poop <laughs> I call it vomit but like at some point like I'll smell the poop I'll be like oh I have to deal with it now because now I'm smelling it so I'll go back to it and I'll be like oh this is I where that. I love that yeah go back to your that. poop if you have poop that you have not That's such a great yeah. use <laughs> always love your poop but like sometimes you can't like sometimes you just can't deal with it yeah, yeah but it is yeah. necessary it's healthy you always have to take a shit and you're yeah, always- you always have to take a shit this has been sponsored by um yeah. all of your favorite local laxatives this episode yes yeah just fiber in general yeah <laughs> fiber also up. sheridan if, what is that toilet paper called? It's not called Sheridan. What is no, it? Sher- Sheridan's a hotel. Sheridan's a shitty hotel. Oh, you're thinking of bears. No, the bears use Charmin. Charmin. Ultra lessons. Why did I just say the hotel Sheridan? Uh, it's sessions of Mary Jane. Yeah, you have you have some kind of Freudian association with toilet paper in that hotel. Um, <laughs> how do you know when something that you're working on is done? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, it's never done. It's probably never done I think like um you can be like whether it's like the topic or the the thing I I guess it depends on what it is like I've written poems before and then like I won't look at it for six years and then I'll look back at it again being like uh maybe we give her a little spruce just a little cleaning a little spring tidying up and then we can put her back out into the world again um or like sometimes I'll I'll write a script that has like a feeling or an idea and I'm just like after I finish it I'm like oh that's good but it didn't quite like satisfy me yet and then I'm not done with that idea and I bring it into the next story um and like the characters can change but like I won't be done with that moment yet do you feel that's because if you wrote something six years ago you were in that stage of your life versus now you're in a different stage of your life so you look at your own material through a new lens yeah I mean I think it also depends on like what it is like sometimes I write things that mean literally nothing to me and I just write them because I was in the mood to write something and I'll look back at it and I can be completely objective and being like oh that's actually a really good line right there and I can use it for this thing that I'm working on because this poem meant nothing but then sometimes I'll look at something else I've written and I'll be like wow this is such a good like artifact of who I use like a, a beautiful like frozen time capsule of who I used to be and how I used to see things, and how I used to phrase things, and I wouldn't ever want to touch it. Um, I want would want to, like, preserve this moment of who this person used to be. So mm. I think it just depends on what it is. Mm. Yeah. If you could tell yourself either a, a you in the past or a you in the future or something, what, would you, what age would you choose, and what would you say to them? 
That's right. We're getting to this part of the podcast, guys. Your questions. Multiple <laughs> questions. And right. questions. <laughs> no, um, you say to your past, present, and future self. Well, you have to pick one. You can't you do pick one. Okay. Yeah, both. I'd and also, you have to answer that later. Any hard question you come up with, you have to answer. All right, fine. Well, yeah, I think that's fair. To my younger self, I would probably just tell her that it's going to be fine. Nothing's ever that serious. And, you know, you don't got to take yourself that seriously because no one else is taking you that seriously. You're a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably even carry that out to me now and me later if that was an option. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely carry that throughout my entire life. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's never bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just constantly taking stuff so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brendan, it's your turn now. Yeah. Oh, so I would Brandon. I would definitely go to like 80 or 90 year old me. And I would <laughs> and I would, I think it kind of be something along the similar lines. I think I like I have to gauge the situation first. If I get there and I'm like really, really mad or like grumpy, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like, yo, stop being grumpy. That's what that's really what I'm gonna say. Or, or not, you know, I would say <laughs> there's a lot of pressure. I, I'm talking to my 80 or 90 year old self. No, I would I would tell them to like really pay attention to what is in front of them because I feel like if I get to a point where I can't like, <laughs> what? what do you mean? No, no, you got it. All right, go. cool. No, because because I think I think. And then this, at least for me, like the older I get, I feel like the harder it is to remember to like always be like really be looking at what's right in front of you. And I've been reading a lot about memories. And one of the things that I found out was that part of the reason why people have um, like can't remember things is because they were not present enough when it was happening. And, like, and then it becomes like, a bigger issue as people are on their phones more and more because like you're really not looking at things. So it's like not necessarily like things about the brain in terms of like damage or things wrong with your brain so that you're like your mind did not take the picture you know or like they, they like, didn't take like, like a clear enough picture to remember it so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i you, didn't think of that why were you poking that <laughs> is that what you asked move your, your, your leg no yeah. um <laughs> um wow i didn't i yeah i don't think i ever thought uh as far as like how present we are with how uh refined our memories are mm-hmm. for how distracting we are with our phones and everything so i did hmm. yes new yeah. tidbit from brendan that's right um just gonna pop in here and ask if there's any poets you want to add to your list oh let's put um oh my god dr seuss yeah okay. uh, oh wow classic oh, he he's he's, pro- he's a problematic fave but he counts um mm-hmm. Who else do we have? Um, Shakespeare. Wow, I'm boring. Um, whoever wrote Beowulf, anonymous number one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that real? What's the? Oh, because oh, does Beowulf not have an official author? Beowulf was a story that was like written over, not written, but it was like a, a, a word of mouth story. So it was like told by multiple different people, and that's how it kept building. So technically, it's translated by one person. I can't remember his name, but the actual story is probably like centuries old and it dates back to like whoever first first told the the small tidbit of the story and then it grew because like back in that time like it was like a traveler story so like you would travel to the next town and then tell the story they would tip you and then that person would then carry out the story and build on more to it fascinating yeah do you think that's like where a lot of fairy tale tales stem from right oh yeah there's like very like there's very little um, like, I mean, there's Brothers Grimm and um, 
like sh- like people who are like very notable and did like big works but like more stories often than not like stem from lore of some kind like um what's her name there's a female director Elise Guy Boget. um she made this one of the first ever like narrative um films ever like she was one of the first directors ever um and she made this story called the cabbage fairy and it's this old old french lore about this woman who um like waves a wand and then from a cabbage births a, a baby um <laughs> cabbage babies and she's a cabbage fairy and she just like goes around the thing and like that stems from some sort of like french lore that probably at one point was like english or wherever it or like germanic or wherever it is that it came from oh. mm. that's yeah I wish I was a Cabbage Patch kid. Cabbage Patch baby? <laughs> how many does she have in her so far? Do you want to know how many you have right now, or do you want to keep going and name oh, more? Oh, no, let me name some more. I can I can name more. Uh, I'm now, like, cheating and looking around my room because I'm awful. John Kenny is an author of a poetry book, apparently, that I've never read yet. I have not read it yet. Um, let's see. There's... Um, me, Elisa Dia, I count. I can put my right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fuck. It's like when someone's like, "Oh, like tell me a fun fact about yourself," and then everything that's fun about you just like pops out of your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only have depressing facts about myself. Yeah, no, I I literally get that whenever someone says, "What are you thinking about right now?" and I'm like, oh, "I didn't know, but now I can't remember." You weren't actively thinking about it; it was just happening to you. True. Yeah. But that happens a lot. I think those are those are the poets I have. I'm so sad, but don't be sad. Don't be sad. Nobody no. else has had this challenge, so you're a winner anyway. Yeah, you have very solid six poets. So <laughs> I will tell you. six is the uh, number so of the sorry. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last podcast, he had six in his uh, challenge. Yeah, we'll have to get all the sixers together and have them have, compete against each other. It's not a competition, but you guys both tied, so yeah. that's just good for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, listening to this podcast was good for all of us. So, Aliza, thank you so much for being on it and for being our guest. Yes, is there a place you. that we could find uh, any, like, Written stuff or oh, your more content or private yeah. stuff right now. Keep on the lookout. We should just follow um, you for some good stuff. This my Instagram. I'm a humble girl at uh at that annoying ginger because I love to let people know what they're getting themselves into when they follow me. And so that's all I that's all I have. Hey, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening out there. You can find all of our content, all the stuff that we're making at latenighthump.com at late night hump. You can send us an email at latenighthump at gmail.com. Duh. Who else doesn't who doesn't use a Gmail these days? And you know, we're always posting sketch videos. You know, we got the podcast coming out, both the morning shower, which is our morning joke news show. And then also we got the sessions of Mary Jane episodes like this one you're listening to right now. And so I feel like an old time uh, commercial talk radio host. So I'll just say, have a good rest of your life. Thank you.